Sounds an awful lot like the Father's house. That's what I want to speak to you about tonight. And um, this is story time part three. Uh, Pastor Rob and I are, are working together and looking at the parables of Jesus. And uh, last week I spoke with you about the, the fair and generous God from that passage, that parable of the vineyard workers. Tonight I want to talk to you about a very uh, familiar, if you've been around church at all, it's a very familiar story that many would call the prodigal son, but it's really, I think, the story of the gracious father. So if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to turn there, and um, I'll, just, I'll just read it to you. But it's, it's really part of a cluster of three stories. Um, the first story in Luke 15 is the story of the lost sheep. And Jesus is saying, if any of you had a hundred sheep and one of them were lost, you'd go to find it. The second one is the story of a lost coin. Many of you understand that in, in cultures, especially in the East, you, you wear your valuables, whether it's bangles or beads or coins or in headdresses. That's where you, and sometimes one of those coins will fall off and it gets lost. And so it's the story of the lost coin. This is the story of the lost boy, sort of. It's the story of the lost boy in this sense that, that he's not around. This is a father and two sons, but it's a deliberate thing he does. This, not a, this isn't a sheep that wanders off. This is not a, a coin that rolls into a dark corner. This is a young man who comes and says, here's the deal. I want my stuff and I'm going. Listen to how it reads. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, if you're a Jewish person listening to this story, like you can't conceive of anything worse than this he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything and when he came to a census he said how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here i am starving to death i will set out go back to my father and say to him father i've sinned against heaven and against you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired men so he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off, I love this part, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And in the original language, it says that he kissed him fervently, just like all, all over the face. I don't know what, he kissed him fervently. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I mean, he is, he is back in the clan. The best robe, the signet ring that has all the authority, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. He's found. So they began to celebrate. As Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story is that the older brother comes in. He's just been around the whole time, and he's ticked. It's back to this, my dad's unfair, just like last week. But what a story. This is arguably the best short story 
ever written. Those of you English teachers and literature majors, it's got all the part. It's got the plots. It's got the characters. It's got the theme. It's got the powerful climax. And this picture of a father and sons is told by the best, Jesus. And centuries later, it was painted by the master, Rembrandt. This is a famous picture of the return of the prodigal by the Dutch painter Rembrandt. I think he was Dutch. Am I right in that? Anybody know? Yeah, he's Dutch. There's a, it's a powerful scene, and people have looked at it for many years and, and uh, looked at it and looked at the brokenness of the boy, and they just he's disheveled and shot, and here is the father welcoming him home. The focus is on an arrogant, I want my property, squandering, let the good times roll, boy. His actions and feelings and decisions. But there's the father. He's the prodigal dad, as Tim Keller would say. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City. Prodigal comes from the idea of lavish or prodigious. And the secondary meaning is that you squander stuff. Stuff. The primary meaning is that it's just overly generous. You just want to let. This is the prodigal father, if you will. He doesn't go after his boy. Where would he look? I mean, you know, he's, where would he look? You can't call Interpol. You can't get on a jet. He, he has to wait. He is faithful to the older son. He stays. He raises crops and sheep. He waits and he watches. And one day... He sees someone coming. Maybe it's he's framed against the setting sun. I don't know how it is. And I don't know how he knows because it says that he was way off in the distance. And as he looked, maybe it was the way he walked. Maybe it was that, that gait that he had. Or maybe, maybe he just knew that that was the boy. And in that moment of recognition, his heart leaps and something happens. And it connects his heart to his feet. Well, let's come back to that in a few minutes. This is Father's Day, 2010. It's not like a biblical holiday or anything. It's just a day of recognition in this country. When I say the word father, some of us grin and say, yes. Others, our eyes roll, we go, right? Some scowl. Some of us, the tears well up when I say that. Some of us, there's nothing. There's no feeling. Father's Day is a great day for many families, and it's I don't want to think about it day for others. As I was thinking about this, about Jesus characterizing the very best father that there is, our Heavenly Father, I was just thinking, you know, sometimes earthly fathers help us understand that father, and sometimes earthly fathers get in the way of that. And as I was thinking about that, I was saying... I was just touched in my heart to think some corollary thoughts about moms who have to lead their families without that father in the home. Even the best mom can't be a dad. Can't. They take up some of those responsibilities, but it's a huge challenge. And I just, I just wanted to say a few words to you moms tonight that are raising a family, bringing them up, to understand who Jesus is. I want to thank you for that. I know some of you get up in the morning and say, how do, I, how do I do this? I don't know if I can do this. And I was thinking about this. A friend came to mind. 
And I'd just like you to meet him. His name is Barry Black. He is Dr. Barry Black. He is Admiral Barry Black. He is the chaplain of the United States Senate, Barry Black. Barry Black, his picture will be up on the screen in a minute. That's Barry Black. He's a retired two-star admiral, former chief of chaplains. He was raised as a fourth child in a family of seven by a single mom in the hood of Baltimore, Maryland. His family was on welfare much of his growing up years. And yesterday, as I was thinking about this, or day before, I just, I just called him because we're friends. And I just said, Barry, I want to use you as an illustration, and I, I want your input. And here's my question. If I were to ask your mom, what like were the top three things that helped her bring up a family to love God when there's no dad around, what would those three things be? And this is what he said. I just pass them on. I'm not, I, I hope there'll be an encouragement to some of you. First thing he said is, my mom believed and practiced spiritual fitness and excellence. She spent time in scripture and with Jesus, and she made sure we did too. We had devotions in the morning and the evening. I'm thinking, oh man. Now Barry's like one of the most disciplined guys I know. I don't even come close to him. But she said we had devotions in the morning and evening. He said every time the church doors were open, we were there. We went to Sunday school. We went to, I mean, we were there. And he said, he said, my mom believed so much that scripture getting into a child was important that she paid me a quarter of verse to memorize scripture until I started going for the short ones like Jesus wept. <laughs> then she dropped it to a nickel. But he said, you know, even, even more important sometimes than a, than a father in the home, especially if he's not there, if you will, is men in children's lives with intentionality who love Jesus. And when you put children in a place like this, and they come to kids' church, and they go to Royal Rangers, or they go to camp or something, that's with intentionality bringing those, male, those men into their lives. He said that was a huge thing for him. He said the second thing was she had a tremendous work ethic. She believed in the biblical injunction, if you don't work, you don't eat. He said, I had jobs from, the, from my youngest years. He said, when I got a little older, I went door to door and sold stuff. He said, I caddied on a golf course. But he said, I can remember mom getting everybody going downtown Baltimore, getting on a bus, all seven of us plus mom, and going to Pennsylvania several hours away to pick beans with migrant workers. We always had stuff to do. She felt that was important that we learned that. And the third thing was perseverance. Don't get weary in well-doing. He said, be sure to tell the friends. Don't get weary in well-doing. Excellence in spiritual life, fitness in spiritual life. Everybody has a job. And don't get weary in well-doing. Well, back to fathers, dads, pops, daddies, papas. Most of us here know there, there are light years between fathering a child and being a father. And I've missed it so often as a dad. You know, I've, there are times in my life, we have these four kids, there are times in my life when I just, you know, I feel like that song that, that um, what's his name, Harry Chapin wrote years ago, Cats in the Cradle. 
He goes, my child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. He was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you, and the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. I spent a fair amount of my time as a father so busy with stuff that Ruth had the great privilege of raising the children. Well, she was a wonderful mom, but I'm here to tell you that if, if I could go back and do some other things, and I'm talking to young dads now, if I could go back and do some other things, I'd work harder at that piece. But somehow kids are resilient and dreamers, and they, they love us in spite of it. I'll never forget walking to the house one day, and Jenny, who's our, third, our second daughter, she's now a mom herself, we had one of those split-level houses, and I walked in. I'd been playing tennis, and I put down my tennis racket. I'm all sweaty, and she's standing at the top of the stairs, and she, she says, Catch me, Daddy, and I'm turned away, and as I whirl around, her little body's in the air. She's like three. She hits me in the chest, and I grab her. I said, Jenny, don't do that. I could drop you. And she just whispered in my ear and said, Oh, no, you're my daddy. I'm saying, Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when I think of a father... I look at that one each morning in the mirror. I love being one. He's got these four girls, these three girls, uh, excuse me, four children, three girls and a boy. And when, when we knew Ruth was pregnant with the fourth one, I was so excited. And, I, and, of course, the odds go down on having the other sex if you have three of what, you know, the odds are going to. But I, I was just saying I'd love another girl, Lord. But if, you know, if it could, if we could do the boy thing, that would be good and and, and I had moved from being the bad guy with the first child where they make you stand out in the hall to Lamaz with the fourth child. So you're in there holding shoulders and, you know, all that stuff. And so I'm in there. And, and when the baby came out, the doctor turned over and said, it's a boy. And I, I had the speech prepared like a man child of the promised land. Isn't God good? And all that. And all I could say was, all right. You know, that's when I think of a father, I think of my father. This is the Foth family in 1949 in India. That's my dad there on the right. The cute kid in the window. I don't know what happened. That's me. We're getting on a train to go somewhere in 1949 in India. My dad was a handsome guy. Six foot two. Sharp. He died three years ago at age 93. I loved him. And because of that, later on, when he, when he left mom after 29 years, I had huge issues. Some of us here know about that. And some, some of you are saying, why are you saying all this stuff? Why don't, you, why don't you just give us encouragement? Because we need to know that in life, all of us go through stuff. All of us have issues. All of us have challenges. But we have this, this heavenly father who waits at his house, who says, when you come, I'm going to see you coming afar off, and good things are going to happen. Jim Collins' book, he writes about companies. He wrote this book called Good to Great. talks about companies, the good ones and the great ones. But if you wrote a book about guys like me, about dads, you'd, you'd write about gone to great. You know, some weren't there. Some were there, but not there. Other, some were affirming, some were abusive, some were intimate, some were aloof, some were present, some were engaged. It's not easy to be a dad. 
It's hard work to be a dad. It's not perfect, but I got to tell you, it's absolutely worth it to be a dad. I wonder if that's what God thinks. I wonder if that's what the Heavenly Father thinks when He looks at us and He says, I sent my only perfect Son. And man, it's worth it. Look at those people. Look at their hearts toward me. It's worth it. To every father here in the South Auditorium, hearing my voice tonight, would you, would you just do me a quick favor if you're able? Every father here, would you just stand where you are? Just stand where you are. I'd like us to hear it for these dads. I want to say this. You have done it. You can do it. Thank you. Thank you for stepfathers who have stepped up. Thank you for coaches and, and kids' teachers in this church who fill in when there are gaps in the home. Thank you for Royal Rangers leaders. I pray for you tonight. Strength, clear seeing, compassion, grace, and a renewing of your first love for your wife. Some years ago, a wealthy friend of mine went to Calcutta. He was with Mother Teresa. He had a lot of money. He could help her. He was so moved by what he saw. He turned, he turned to her at one point and said, Mother Teresa, what can I do? I want to do something. Can I write a check? And she turned to him and said, what you can do to help us all is to go home and love your wife. Back to our story. Jesus shows the father waiting and watching. Jesus, Jesus was raised by a stepdad. His biological heavenly father was there and he's the one to whom he related. But he talks to him about this heavenly father, talks to us about this heavenly father all the time. He demonstrates the key things that we need to understand about fathers. And there are three tonight and I just want to say them real quickly. The first one is found in Luke eleven fourteen. Fathers, good fathers, need to be accessible and to connect. And Luke eleven fourteen or eleven one through four is on the screen. Listen to listen to what Jesus says when they say, How do how do we pray? How do we talk to God? And and Jesus does this. This terrible thing. He says, what you do is you call him Father. And in his culture, nobody would call God Father. He's the creator of the universe. How could you? It's blasphemous to be that intimate with God unless he's your Father. So here's how it reads. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Connection. The connection with a father who provides and protects. That's what our heavenly father does. He provides and protects. Secondly, Mark 14, 35 and 36. Intimacy with this father. Here is Jesus toward the end of his earthly life. He goes to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. Listen to what it says. Going a little farther. He's got disciples with him. He fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. 
Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He calls Father here. Abba is the word for Daddy in Hebrew. Abba. It's like Papa. Dada. It's Abba. He says, Daddy, if there's any way, if there's any other route to go, nevertheless, I trust you. Intimacy is what I need from a father, and our Heavenly Father gives us that. And finally, approval. Some of us over the years have died for lack of approval from an earthly father. We've felt it every time we turn around. But I've got to tell you tonight, the father who created the universe, who calls us to his house, like Matthew's house, that father approves. Listen to how he speaks to Jesus at his baptism. As soon as Jesus was baptized, Matthew 3, he went up out of the water and at that moment heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. This is my son, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I read that text and I say, what's that about? Jesus hadn't even started doing miracles yet. He hadn't performed yet. He hadn't achieved yet. And his heavenly father says, I love you. I approve you. This is not about whether you perform well, whether your heavenly father approves of you. He approves of you because you bear his image. He approves of you because you have a heart toward him. He approves of you because he wants us to do well. One of the reasons we talk about Jesus so much is that he shows us the father. He shows us the father who is aggressively for us who is passionate about us, who has us in his heart, who knows our names. We sang it tonight. I have a father. He knows my name. This isn't just kid number 2832. This is, I know his name. That's both. I know his name. And he sees us coming afar off, way down the road. And here's that old man. And he sees that boy coming. And his heart leaps and something happens and it connects to his feet and he starts moving down the road and he starts picking up those feet and the closer he gets he sees and he starts to run I don't know if he was the fast I, I gotta know that I, in, in my mind I see this old guy and he is picking him up and laying him down and he doesn't care if he does a face plant he is heading toward his boy and he throws himself around that boy hugs him and kisses him and the boy is trying to explain because he smells like pigs for people sake saying dad i stink i'm just i'm just i don't have any shoes and his father says give him the robe give him the ring give him the sandals this is a great day but i'm not worthy to be you you don't make this call son this is not your call worthiness is not your call it's my call and my call is you're my boy you have the inheritance and we are going to have a party i uh I love the waiting, watching Father. Here's the word for us all tonight, today. Wherever your dad was on that spectrum I talked about, gone to great, makes no difference. Because this one is better. There is a father, if you had the greatest dad in the world, there's one that's better. If you had no dad, then I got one to tell you about. If you had one that was abusive, this one is nothing like that, Dad. Nothing like that, Dad. He is the one who watches and waits and runs, runs and wants us to come home to the Father. John, the 14th chapter, 
Peter has really blown it. John the 14th chapter reads this way. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. So that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. He connects. He wants to be close. He approves. I love the Father who runs to me. I get it that when I'm a kid, I run to my Father. But this is the Father who runs to me. And when He gets to me, it's party time. That's how it is. I close with this story. I've told this story before, but I don't care. I'm going to tell it again. And the story is this. A friend of mine had a father who was very conservative, who never wanted to go to any of his baseball games. He was a baseball player. It was the league championship in high school, and he went to his father. And he said, Dad, would you come? And he, his father was noncommittal. He went and he said, please, that he was noncommittal. And he walked out on the ball field on that spring day. All these people in the stands in their summer clothes, light shades, pastels, whites. And there, right in the middle of the stands, was his father, who always wore a navy blue suit. And there he was in a navy blue suit with a regimental tie. He said, I was so excited. And we played the game. We played our hearts out. And we came to the bottom of the ninth inning. And the other team was ahead four to one. The bases were loaded. We had two outs and I was up. If I could get a home run, we could win this thing. He said, I stepped into the plate. I got ready. The guy put one right down the middle and I swung. Strike one. He said, I stepped out, knocked the dirt out of my cleats, spit on my hands, all the stuff baseball players do. He said, I got back in, got ready again. Wham. One came right, swung, strike two. He said, I backed out, went back in three more times. It was a full count. The place was going crazy. I stepped into the batter's box. I pounded the plate with my bat and I said under my breath, God, if you are there, this is the time. <laughs> and he said, the pitcher wound up, put one right down the middle, and I nailed it to center field, way to center field, and I took off for first. As I rounded first, the first guy scored. He said, I come screaming into second. The place is going wild. I'm going as fast as I can. The ball comes off the center field fence, and the, the fielder turns, grabs it, starts to throw home. I'm coming around second. The second guy has scored. Everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs. I can't go any faster. And all of a sudden, I hear my dad shouting at the top of his lungs, it's okay, son, you're going to make it. Come on home. He said, the juices ripped through me. I raced around third, slid in under the tag, and we won the game. And I didn't care. All I could hear was my dad shouting at the top of his lungs, it's okay, son, you're going to make it. Come on home. I believe the creator of the universe, the Father who knows my name, stands and shouts across the galaxies today, it's okay, kids, you're going to make it. Come on home. It is the Father's house. He is the waiting, watching Father who runs to us and cheers us on. Would you bow your heads with me tonight as we close our time in prayer? Just in the quiet of the moment. If it's hard to listen when somebody talks about fathers because of where you've been or come from I just uh, I just want to encourage you tonight 
to lift up your eyes. You can't change anything back there. You can't change a minute back there. But lift up your eyes and look at this Heavenly Father. Read Him. Hear His heart. And know that that's who's for you. That's the Father you have. That other person, at a very deep level, was an imposter compared to this Father. Secondly, if you're a dad here tonight, and you say, Pastor Dick, I, I'm with you. I, you know, I haven't always done it right. But from this, this day on, I want to also look at the Heavenly Father and be more like Him. I want to be that way. And you just slip up your hand and say, well, just include me in your prayer tonight. Just include me in your prayer because I want to be like that. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. Father, thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you for that. Thanks for the privilege of being your sons and daughters. How grateful we are to know that at your house it's festive and light and warm and welcoming. For each person who has raised his hand tonight, I pray your blessing and your grace upon him. Lord Jesus, for every child that comes to this church, that attends the kids' things, may they feel embraced by both a mom and a father, a male. May they sense that in their lives. Lord Jesus, how grateful we are that we can be kids of the kingdom. We thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. We're going to worship tonight. We're going to continue to worship by our giving. The ushers are coming. And as they come to pass the plates, please know that we understand that if you're a guest here, please don't feel obligated to put anything. Please don't, except maybe the communication card. But if you're part of this family and you're part of what helps things happen here, just feel free to express your worship by your giving. Our Heavenly Father makes it possible. Father, thank you for the privilege of worshiping through our giving. Bless each person in this place tonight who has come as a guest, those who are regulars. Just um, may we know your grace in a fresh way even as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team members are coming even as I say it. It's a tremendous privilege to be able to pray with friends when they have need. If you have any need tonight, whatever kind of need it is, these are friends who know how to pray. These are, these are friends who talk to the Father and like doing it, and He likes it. So feel free to come and just spend a moment with them. We pray that the rest of your weekend and your coming week will be blessed. Wherever you are this week, know this. That Heavenly Father, who delights in you, cheers you on. Have a great week. God bless you.